Podcasting from Astrolab Studios, this is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows that have faded from the collective consciousness and didn't quite make the impact that they intended. This week, Galactica, 1980, episodes five and six. Collins, you heard anything from them roadblocks yet? No, sir. I just have to figure they're still in the county. Of course. They can't leave. What? They can't leave, Sheriff. The children in the clinic. Clinic? Heck, if they kidnapped them kids, they wouldn't worry about leaving them behind. They probably drugged the kids to keep them from talking. No, Sheriff. They are not drugged, and those are not ordinary children, and that's why there's no record of them. Come on, let's go. Hey, guys, just like I told you, them body stealers have moved into those poor unfortunate... Knock it off, Collins. I want you to alert all units, tell them to stop searching the cars, and close the highways. Close them? You heard me. I said close them. Did I get to the bottom of this nonsense? Ho, ho, ho. Welcome to a very festive edition of Continuum Drag, the podcast that explores the ghosts of science fiction past. Oh, very nice. I'm Luke Ebenezer, here with my co-host, <laughs> Jordan Cratchit, who just keeps begging me for this podcast off so he can spend time with his little cripple boy, Tiny Jake Cardigan. <laughs> oh, I, re- I really enjoyed all of that. At first, at first, when you said I'm Cratchit, I'm like, I have to be Cratchit, but I like that. Sorry, what, what was I going home to? To see your tiny cripple boy. Ah, that was it. Tiny Jake Cardigan. <laughs> little Jake Cardigan. I named him Jake. Yeah, like Tiny Tim, but Jake Cardigan. <laughs> And is he? Uh, we won't even. I was gonna go into what his disability his might disability be. His disability is illiteracy. Right, right. Yeah, we 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 talked about that, right? That he's yeah. That's canon now. To the <laughs> Tech War franchise. We've designed Jay Card again. Completely illiterate. Doesn't yeah. come up though. I love that after thirty something episodes, we still can get Jake Cardigan in. He is. We might as well get tattoos. Yours, yours says Jake. Mine says Cardigan. And when we press our arms together. You know, I don't know <laughs> when we when he grasps hands together. Yeah, it combines. <laughs> it's got his face. <laughs> it's like uh, one of those mad foldings. Yeah, exactly. When we when we squish our bodies together. Yeah, and we become more power. It's like we uh, we command. Uh, uh, Captain, remember Captain Planet? Remember of course. That? All they would all go together, and then Captain Planet would show up. Yeah. The same sort of thing happens. Jake Cardigan, uh, Jake appears, Cardigan appears. Yeah. If you if he sees a tattoo of his face just come together, he appears, and I don't know. And then on the other arm, we just get two donuts and we push them together. Sid Gomez appears. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, tech War, everybody. <laughs> Let's all go back and watch that again. All right, Jordan. For this uh, holiday episode, I did this little thing. It's not a lot, but it's a little naughty or nice. Um, I'm going to ask you about a few people who uh, have been in shows we've watched before. Okay. I've gone through Google News, tried to find any articles about them that might have happened in 2018, and mm-hmm. uh, you'll tell me whether what they did this year was naughty or nice. Okay. Yeah, I think I get it. All right. Speaking of Jake Cardigan, let's start with Greg Evigan from Tech War. I'm okay. So I don't have to guess if he's been naughty or nice this year? Sure. Let's start with you can just guess whether he's been naughty or nice this year. Oh, I think he's been nice. Well, I think you might be incorrect. Oh, no, really? He was playing a villain on General Hospital this year. A man who, cr- who had two villainous roles. He was, create- he was uh, an election rigger and he was a child molester. <laughs> no, that's funny in itself. I don't know why that's funny. Well, I know why it is. But 
Um, I thought we were going to talk about like them personally. I thought you're like when you said, "Oh no, wrong." I'm like, "Oh no, he like he struck and hit someone with a car and killed them." But like, no, he's been playing evil roles. What you're saying? Yeah, I mean, let me put it this way: there's not a lot of news about the people who shows we watch, <laughs> right? So some of these are a bit of a stretch, right? Anyway, so he's he played. What were the two things again? <laughs> he was he was a villain in General Hospital, whose dual villainous role was to rig an election. I think about fracking, maybe. I mm, had to read some weird General mm. Hospital news sites. And on a separate, apparently in a separate plot within the same show, he also happened to be a child molester. <laughs> that's terrible. Anyways, um, that's funny. Now, Greg given himself, not naughty. No. But the character he played, very naughty. Right. Okay. Well, that, I'm 0 for 1. 0 for 1. All right. Here we go. You want to move on to the next one? Yeah. Also from Tech War, Bascom himself, William Shatner. Naughty or nice this year? Hmm. Oh, I think he's been naughty. Well... I said nice for this, but it could go either way. Okay. He just released a new Christmas album. Oh. Is it like out today? Yeah. It's out uh, this month. It's a, a brand new William Shatner Christmas album. There's a music video for him singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Ranger or something. He's really gone Ranger? all in that. Um, close enough. He's gone all in the like tongue in cheek. Like he knows that it's bad or something, but he just he doesn't mind cashing the checks. Yeah. He has a good time. He's just yeah. out there living his best life. He's like 87 years old. Yeah. He's like Stan leaning it up out there. Mm. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon to remember him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. 0 for 2. Only two more left, Jordan. All right. I, I, I got to get these two for 50%. Now, let's see what you think of this. From Space and Beyond, Kristen Cloak or Lieutenant Vanson. Nice. I agree, or at least the internet agrees, because it said she was nice this year because she wrote an episode of the new X-Files that had a 100% Rotten Tomato uh, rating. She wrote one. She's a writer? She wrote a single episode of X-Files. Now, uh, well, I mean, this is a separate podcast. We've talked a little bit about the X-Files. The episodes I've seen have all been terrible, the new ones. But I mean, I, all I'm going by is the Rotten Tomato. And people uh, liked it. Okay, I well, good for her. Apparently, it was a bit of a Black Mirror episode where hmm. they had to deal with the internet. How did she get into that writer's room? Her husband, James Wong. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's not fair. I, I could see she could be a writer. Like, Yeah, okay. I'm just saying. But she didn't. the, the writing room she particularly she got into, she's not writing on General Hospital. She's writing on his show. Fair enough. I mean, it's not my fault you didn't marry James Wong. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Wait, he shouldn't, he shouldn't even marry James Wong. Morgan. So I don't know. how. Maybe she just got in there on her own merits. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. Well, it shows me what I know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, you know what? I'm going to cut most of that stuff out. <laughs> yeah, well, not good for her. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on from that. Um, also from Space Above Me on this year, our final one, Joel De La Fuente, a oh, Wang. I think he's been, he's, I know, I'm pretty sure he's in The Man in the High Castle, right? I think that's the show he's on, so I'm going to think he's naughty. All right. I actually have to leave this up to you because you're the only one who's seen Man in the High Castle in this room. I haven't seen it, but I read the book. Oh, I thought you had watched it. No, I've never seen it, but I read the book. Oh, we were talking earlier this week and you said you'd finished Man in the High Castle and I assumed you read the TV show. Oh, no, it's the book. <laughs> well, uh, then neither of us will be able to know whether this is naughty or nice, but he's returning for a fourth season of the show. Do you know who he plays? I have no idea. I assumed you had watched it and you're going to tell me whether that was a good thing or a bad thing. Oh, well, I'm, I think he's a bad guy. I don't know why. I just do. Uh, Anyways, mean, 50%. I think I did well on this. Yeah, uh, this was quite a segment. Uh, <laughs> I liked it. We decided who was naughty, who was nice based on their year. 
You know how hard it is to Google search these uh, news these people? A lot of people just, it's just like the only news hit they get all year is it's their birthday today. Well, it'll be like searching you or I. Yeah. Nothing's going to come up. Nothing's going to come up. I have a Googler for myself. Do you? Yeah, yeah. I get. I learn a lot about a farmer uh, in like some state who's uh, <laughs> doing some new farming techniques. Oh, uh, own a lot of football. I players. once saw another uh, uh, another person with my name, and he came third in a pie eating contest. Oh, well, that's pretty good. Yeah, it wasn't first, but I mean, he's still on the podium for for having your name. That's like a first. Yeah, I've, I've never won any pie eating yeah, contest. Third place. That's a Jordan Delic first. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's sad. <laughs> I won a science fair once. What did you build? Um, it was on um, crystals, <laughs> so it was a fake science fair. <laughs> yeah, well, it was like I was—I don't know These how I crystals won. Crystals will heal your headache. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah that's what it was. <laughs> I was just giving out crystals to people and rub it on your yeah. power spots. <laughs> yeah, I did pretty well. Nice. Well, won a science fair in my category, whatever the category was. You know, uh, not real science. Yeah, that's what it was. In the in the in the category of not real science, we give it to—I don't know—Crystal Boy over here. <laughs> we'll get Crystal Boy. Yeah. All right. Do you want to get into uh, these episodes? Oh, not really. But we're going to have to because <laughs> that's the show. All right, Jordan. Here's the Andy summary for episode five of Galactica 1980, The Super Scouts, part two. Oh, I can't believe this is a part two. When three of the children Troy and Dylan brought to Earth get sick after drinking some water from a lake, the doctor... <laughs> <laughs> it's just, that's, that's the stakes of this episode. The doctor who treats them says that the water was polluted with a toxic waste which was dumped by a corporation. That somewhat truncated summary was courtesy of RCS0411 at yahoo.com. They've done one before. Two before. Two before. They uh, write very long summaries for these shows and I just have to cut out like half of them. Well, it's probably because they're trying to, while they're writing, they're just trying to find what the plot is because each of these episodes have like four plots going on that none of them matter. I assume... uh, Glenn A. Larson wrote them personally. He, as soon as he got to 60 pages, he just moved right. on to the next one. I can't stop thinking about that now that you mentioned that. Now that I watch the shows, I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense for these things. Yeah, it's it's very funny to imagine him just, just typing away. And he's like, oh, hit page 60. To be continued. Yeah. Okay. So just to catch us up, it doesn't take a lot here. But essentially where we left the last episode was sick super scouts. Jamie was at the police station, heard that the corporation had called the cops to like rouse them out of town and you know, get rid of the problem. And Dylan and Troy were racing back to save the Super Scouts from the impending police. And what we get is them arriving on their little motorcycles where the kids are teaching themselves to scavenge and cook. Yeah. There's also, right right off the bat, there's like what seemed like a 10-minute scene of just kids packing up tents. I was like, how long are they going to pack these tents up? This is what we're using our time for? Well, they see the cops are coming. I just love that they theoretically have two adults who have brought them here. But these kids are essentially feral. Like, they're teaching themselves everything. Well, yeah. And and uh, Dylan and, and uh, Troy, Troy, they uh, it doesn't matter because they're interchangeable and it doesn't matter. It, every time I have to make a note about what they're up to, I just put Dylan slash Troy because they never leave each other's sides. <laughs> they never, yeah. And also, I don't know which one's which. Which one is which? Troy is kind of the handsome hero and uh, Dylan is uh, Van Dyke's son. <laughs> What's the handsome guy who wants Van Dyke's son? That's I a mean, nice he's handsome too, compliment. but uh, the no, one guy's quite clearly meant to be like our heartthrob. Right. Um, anyway, they, <laughs> you said this, I don't know if you said it on the air or we were just talking, um, you know, in our normal lives and our uh, normal conversations, our normal conversations about, <laughs> that yeah, we didn't record. Um, we were talking about it and you had said how, upset you were that this show was just going to become about the kids on earth and i said there's no way this show is just that's what the show is going to become 
And I have to take that back because that's clearly now what this show is. It's about kids on earth that have superpowers. That's what the show has become, which is not the show it was before. And I I did not think that's what it was going to become. Yeah, I mean, that's the show. That's what it is now. For all intents and purposes, this is now a kid's show. Oh, yeah. We're watching a children's television program. Yeah, that's what this has become. All right, now that that's out of the way. Yes, they see the cops are coming to this camp. Dylan and Troy arrive, and they basically have the kids pack the camp up. And you're right, there's a long sequence where they put tents away. And then have the, the, all the kids jump into a tree. <laughs> yeah, and they got that that great um, $6 million man sort of like... Yeah, they reverse footage, jump, so yeah. they're like flying up into a tree. They all cloak in the tree, and the cops show up and like, oh, no, they're gone. And then the kids start throwing apples down on them from the yeah. top of the tree. Yeah, and, and they have like this, they basically have these like your classic like southern bumpkin cops who are just like, what's happening? And then, then the sheriff or whatever he is can't figure stuff out. And they're, you know, the kids are throwing apples at him for some reason. That sheriff, man, what a, like we talked about this in the last episode. He's a very specific looking human being. <laughs> yeah. Melanie walked by while I was watching the episode. She's like, hey. Guy looks like Fat Bastard from uh, the Austin Powers series. I'm oh, like, wow. He, he does exactly does. look like that. Imagine that if the person didn't put on a fat suit. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that that's was that man's body. Spot on explanation of what he looks like. Yeah. yeah. It's very funny. Anyway, they're throwing apples down. The cops are kind of freaking out because they can't see the kids, but they know they're somewhere. And Troy and Dylan are like, uh oh, I guess we gotta get out of here. And they like, in this sort of constant invisible acting thing, go and jump out of the tree i guess and they steal their cars so we get a shot of like cars with no one in them driving away Mm -hmm. how do they do that by the way i i assume i should know this but i assume there's just someone on the ground oh he's working the pedals working the pedals and then someone else is maybe like with a walkie telling them like where to go left or right Uh, yeah that'll be my guess but maybe some some person who does stunt driving can call in and let us know call in where the lines are lining up right now (laughs) our live call in milwaukee you're on the air (laughs) it's old larry king there i will say i mean it's a bad episode and show in general but i actually kind of i was like i was watching the cars drive away i'm like they're driven very well i don't know how they're doing yeah it's a good effect uh, so I think, it was, I think it was the best thing of the show. It may have got five point point five points just for that. Hmm. Anyway, what this is all happening. The cops kind of lose track of them. The cops watch their cars drive away invisibly. And there's this one cop who just this entire episode's like obsessed with the idea that the kids have been body snatched by aliens. Like he, he like poses a theory in this moment to yeah. the police chief where he's like, I think there are tiny aliens inside of the children's bodies controlling them. Yeah, and he goes hard with it. Like, he's like, I just came up with the concept, and that's what it is. Yeah, he'll spend the rest of the episode pushing this idea. And I'm just like, this is, I mean, you're not far off, but it's still a very wild concept. <laughs> Meanwhile, we've got Jamie. She's back at the hospital with the doc who's looking after these uh, poisoned kids. <laughs> poisoned kids. And the doctor's sort of telling her about how this stockton chemical has been you know poisoning the environment she, he's like i'm gonna take you and show you this river where it's very poisoned they go out there and he's talking about how you can throw rocks to the ground and they'll spark and start a fire because they're so chemically mm-hmm. and like your shoes will melt because there's so many chemicals in the environment it's like badly badly poisoned you would assume at this point though the kids have been st- they're still living in the same park they're still living there you'd assume they would have had much more or many more uh cases of illnesses if Literally, it's melting shoes and stuff. The soil is so polluted. But they just had the, the two dumb kids who they drank sewage water. Right. I mean, they seem fine. They're scavenging. They're The other kids yeah. are quite good. They're quite those, smart. Those apparently. apples they were using to throw at people, those were maybe because they were just so full of chemicals. <laughs> well, the doctor is talking to Jamie about sort of the poison in the environment. We get 
<laughs> it was really weird. This car pulls up and all these plant workers spill out and start like oh, yeah. threatening them like you're gonna lose us our jobs and i'm just like okay this is a little bit weird but like you know the way that mm-hmm. like you'd have in an environmental movie like they show up and yell at aaron brockovich or something yeah right <laughs> they show up and start yelling at them and then dylan and joy pull up they're like hey don't yell at our friends and i guess to the point that the kids are super strong apparently dylan and troy are also super strong what, what they basically are they're superman they've come from krypton and everything yeah. and the the earth's sun helps them be stronger for some reason so they're now supermen yeah. that's what they are they throw one of these workers across the field and they all sort of are like oh are we gonna fight are we not with very little effort basically the fight yeah. happens the guy goes fight and uh dylan and troy doesn't really matter which one just grabs the guy and throws him like no train he's like who's next and they're like that's what happened that's the scene yeah and then it's at this point a fourth party shows up <laughs> That a van pulls up and Mr. Stockton himself from the chemical plant jumps out of the van. I was just like, is this a central meeting place? Like, I know. It's just they, they had us. They had they're a on place. the side of the road. <laughs> I know. It's just like we need all the characters there. Would they? It's the same thing where like the school bus just pulled up for no reason onto the park. It's, the same, it's like, guys, we're already here. We're set up. The lights are here. We're not moving. Yeah. He diffuses the situation with the workers and he's like, all right, Doc, Jamie, Troy, Dylan. You all follow me back to the police quarters, headquarters, and we're going to get this sorted out. So they kind of all get in their vehicles and drive away. But at the sheriff's office at this point, Colonel Seidel, the uh, military man from the previous episode who uh, quizzed the kids about UFOs, he shows up to uh, ask the sheriff if anything strange has been going on. What's his deal supposed to be? He's like, I wrote down that he's like a uh, uh, Lieutenant Gerard or, or Javert. It's like he's got to get his man sort of thing. But like it's why who cares uh, in the next episode someone will mention it's like your job is to search for ufos for the government but it's not clear why that's his job or how he got that job like he's clearly supposed to be like the villain but i don't know what his motivations are at all other than he's he's top brass national security my friend yeah <laughs> that's his motivation anyway they start having this conversation with the sheriff the sheriff sort of tells him about the kids and the chemical plan them going to the hospital and colonel Seidel's like hey what we should do is go to that hospital we'll wait for dylan and troy to show up and uh, we'll catch them there because not only are they potentially aliens but they also robbed that bank so we still haven't dealt with that yet right so they he did a- he did give all that nazi gold back though right oh uh he didn't take it remember yeah no. uh, <laughs> i forgot that we proposed that's how it uh, yeah it was or, nazi gold well i guess we didn't propose our guest proposed that idea yeah the rest of the gang meanwhile is is driving to the police station when the doctor's CB radio in his car goes off, which is, everyone has a CB radio in their car, which is very like 80s. So I was like, right. oh yeah, I guess when you didn't have cell phones, you just uh, had a CB radio in your car. The nurse is calling from the hospital to say, hey, you got to get back to the hospital. The kids that they have there are dying. Yeah. So essentially everyone now turns around and it's a race to the hospital. And there's one thing, I don't know if it's in this scene or it's a little later. The nurse goes like, she's waiting for the doctor. She's like, I just didn't know what to do. And I thought, call another doctor you're in the hospital why can this only this one doctor deal with these kids like the kids are dying he's like but he's on lunch so i guess this kid's gonna die well i think that's the idea with the cb radio i think he's the only doctor and it seems like he's the only doctor for several hospitals right (laughs) all right well then then she was right she didn't know what to do yeah she had no idea to do and they get back to this hospital and kind of go see the kids and this part blew my mind the kids die i know the kids actually die and i was like they're not really going to die, but they died. It's like, oh, wow, this show's got balls for 10 minutes. For 10 minutes. I, it's very good because they show them, they're like, they're dead. And they're just, they stand very nonchalantly, just continue a conversation over these dead kids. I'm like, whoa, you guys seem 
very nonplussed that all three of these children have just died in for, like before you got here. But I guess what it is, is is Troy and Dylan kind of let them know, hey, uh, they're only dead by Earth standards. Their brainwaves may be gone, but on Galactica, that's not a problem. So I don't know what it takes to kill someone in uh, Galactica. Maybe someone who knows uh, the original show can explain this, but is, is that a thing? They're like, oh yeah, he's, he's, his, his, his heart brain's stopped dead. and his brain's gone, but that doesn't mean anything. We can bring him back from that. This is, this is easy. It's a little yeah. cut on his finger. They'll come back and they have, they'll have terrible, uh, terrible job of remembering things, but they'll, they'll pretty much be the same when they come back. Because Mr. Stockton's still with them and he's kind of trying to be like, mm, that's not my fault. These dead kids, not my fault. He feels a little guilty and they are able to talk him into, he's like, hey, we can save these kids. We need you. We need your van. And we need to drive up to the highest mountain we can find. So he kind of like takes them into his van to go find this mountain. Of course, before they leave, though, as seems to be becoming a theme of the show, Troy and Dylan turn to Jamie and say, hey, uh, can you go babysit the rest of those kids wherever we left them? The writers of the show or the writer, whoever it is, have decided we have to have these children in this show, but they have no interest in actually doing anything with the children. So it's a lot of just push them to the side. At least in these couple episodes, just like, all right, here they are. Oh, they're in a park somewhere. It's like, well, why do you even have the characters here? And 12 of them at that. It's so many characters. Right. It's, there's way too many to develop. We don't know what their names are or anything about them, but they're there. Hey, 12 kids. What more do you need to know? I guess. It's really great because they're loading them in the van and they have to basically call up to Galactic to say, hey, we need your help because your medical skills are required down here. And he basically, Dylan uses a you know communication device, but he wants to send it on a, uh, I guess, encrypted signal. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how does his signal get encrypted, Jordan? Doesn't it just it, doesn't it just like get faster and squeakier? Yeah, especially that it just speeds up his voice until he sounds like a chipmunk. Yeah, he'll and, never crack that code. And it just shoots it up into space. And it's funny because at some point, uh, the, like NORAD's listening, they're like, "We don't know what this is." I'm like, "Just slow it down. You'll figure it out. <laughs> you, you can do this. I believe in you." But Doctor Z and Adama like pick up this signal and they're like, "Okay, we got to go save those kids." Sorry, fleet. We're both like both. Dr. Z and Adama seem to be leading the fleet and they're both like, we've got to abandon the fleet and go back and save those kids. I'm like, you could, one of you could go or yeah. you could send someone. But it's kind of cool because they use Dr. Z's new invention, uh, a brand new spaceship. I assume mm-hmm. it's brand new anyway. Yeah, they, they, they said it's like, they, well, they said that it took all the resources they had, uh, I guess, because now they don't have a planet and t- to build this thing, which, and what does it look like, Luke? I mean, they call it the anti-grav ship, but it looks exactly like a flying saucer. I actually like the look of it. I like the look of inside it. All the scenes we were in the uh, flying saucer, I thought I'd rather this be the show than on Earth. But what was weird about it is I think the whole idea is, oh, it looks like a flying saucer and it comes down. That's going to be what people see. It's like a UFO sighting. But they don't really play with that. Well, it's funny because even in his lead up to them both being like, we're because Dr. G's like, I'm going to go with it because I, I need to make sure it goes well. And Adama's like, well, I can't let you go by yourself. I'm going to go too. I thought for sure this was them setting up this idea that Galactica is, you know, leaving Earth to hide it from the Cylons. I thought they were going to build this. Cause it's a new set. It's a new ship. And I was like, oh, OK, for the rest of the show, Adama and Dr. Z will always be nearby in this UFO ready to come down and help when required. It doesn't end up being the thing like they go down and then they just go back to Galactica afterward. But like, yeah. So much time and effort was put into this actually very cool saucer. No, I like, yeah, I liked it. But it ended up, I, I thought for sure it was going to be a regular thing, but it seems to have just been a one-off. Yeah, it was. it's weird. It, the, everything doesn't work on this show. So they're on their way now to Earth. We've got Colonel Seidel again and the sheriff at the hospital trying to question the doc about where the kids went to. Obviously, the doc doesn't want to tell them, but, you know, justifiably so, when they revealed him, it was like, yeah, these two guys robbed a bank. Like, they're 
you don't know anything about these men with 12 children. Mm-hmm. So he does end up giving up that they're going off to this mountaintop. And it sort of puts them in basically a chase sequence because now this sheriff and the military are chasing him. They're putting an APB bulletin out. Of course, the van that they're in with Mr. Stockton has a CB radio. So they hear about this APB. It's true. Everyone does have the radio. Troy and Dylan, they start like shooting flashlights into the sky. I think it's their laser. They're shooting lasers. Uh, like they're signaling up basically signaling, yeah. to this Adama saucer to kind of tell them where they are. And the saucer lands in like very close encounters of a third kind style like it's, it very much lo- looks like a lot of smoke and smoke atmosphere and like soft lenses so they're like lens flares everywhere as they mm. sort of put lights down it looks like this kind of like cool colorful ship is arriving i liked it i mean it i was did too definitely ripping off close encounters but it was, it was cool it was very cool what's kind of fun about this though is mr stockton's with them the whole time and he is slowly losing his mind yeah because he is watching aliens landing and he has no explanation for any of this i thought he was pretty good too yeah it turned out that actor did a great job with it like he is at some point he's just like watching this ship land and he turns to troy and dylan he's like are you guys venetians and I was like, what a weird pull. Do you think they're from Venus specifically? Yeah, I know. Yes. Well, you know why? It's because someone was like, don't say Martians. Everyone says Martians. It's done. It's overplayed. Yeah. You're from Venus. Hold on. Real quick, Luke. What are the other planet uh, people called? So we know we got Martians and Venetians. Is it Plut- Plutonians? What do you call people from Pluto? No, Plut- Plutonians Plutish? make sense. Plutitians? Oh, I think Plutonians make Plutonians? sense. So what about Uranus? Um, U- Uranusians? What do you want? Uranians? You Uranians? Yeah, okay. We got it. All right. Mercury uh mercutios <laughs> <laughs> yeah that works that yeah. works what I else like do we got i can't remember the other planets um the moon oh the moon is not a planet <laughs> anyway that was fun little that was a fun little segment write in and tell us what all <laughs> the species are called across the galaxy yeah, i bet i bet they have i bet someone's come up with something oh i'm sure classic science fiction probably has he- dealt with this many times so what sort of happens here is troy and dylan and mr stockton against his will carry the three sick kids into this saucer and what we kind of see is there's like a kind of a crazy thing. They put them on these like floating gurneys. They look mm-hmm. a bit like out of Quester tapes at the end. Like they actually, Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. And there's sort of it's very spooky. It's like it's lit in, lit in a very specific way. Like there's doctors hovering over the kids. It kind of looks more like an alien abduction moment than it does anything else. Yeah. And the because uh, there it's like you almost don't see anything around them. Just like dark and the table lit and all the people around. That that's it. I think that is what they were going for. A very alien abduction because that's what it, it looks like to with the general, Mr. Stockton. Stockton, sorry. Yeah, yeah the guy who runs was. the chemical plant. Yeah. It is very it's very spooky. And then Troy and Dylan sort of take Mr. Stockton from this like doctor's office in the ship to this big glowing red room, I guess the control room of the ship, where he's going to meet Adama and Dr. Z. And why they want them to meet is Dr. Z is going to run a simulation of what his chemical plant will do to the future of the area. It, it, they're they're kind of like, they want to show him what he's doing to the world with his like environment. And since we know now, they can just run these like very realistic well, simulations. Well, here's the thing. This is a little bit different than the other simulation though. The other simulation would have just been like, here's a fictional thing of what happens. But this is different because this actually shows the CEO guy, whatever his name is, Stockton. Yeah. It shows him like his own future, like he's Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah, well, I, I wrote that down. I'm like, it's very much like visiting the ghost of Christmas future. Yeah, it's, it was weird. That's what the scene is, basically. But it's, it's very funny because there's this like little like, it's very short, like maybe two minutes where 
they're just like, oh, it's just loading up right now. Like the computer's just uh, building simulation. Just, just hold on a second. I think Mr. Stockton's constantly like, oh, I, I don't want to put you in any trouble. Uh, don't worry about it. Like he's just like, oh, I can just go. It's like, don't, don't trouble yourself. He keeps trying to like talk his way. And out. they're like, no, you will be taught a lesson, my friend. He's trying to be very polite about it. He's like, well, you know, it's okay. Don't, don't trouble yourself. But they, they load up the simulation. It's just like a video feed, and they kind of show. You know, shots of industry polluting the environment for a while, very much like the first one, like just like broad shots of the earth. But it does push in very specifically onto Mr. Stockton's life in 1990. And camera flies over a funeral mm-hmm. where everyone's sitting there watching it and it hovers over. And then he sees himself sitting at the funeral and he's just like, ha I'm not dead. <laughs> he's and, so and excited. Uh, he's excited he's not dead. And he's also, he's like, I look good. And I was like, he's very, he's very pleased that in 10 years, he's still, he's still still doing great. But what he comes to realize is that he's attending his own son's funeral. Mm. It it is very funny that we're doing this at Christmas. Cause I was like, this is very Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, this gives him a big change of heart. He's going to, he's going to change his ways. He's going to fix his chemical plant. And do they, they imply that the kid died from environment. His kid kid works at the factory basically. So it's, it's his kid working in the factory eventually kills him. And but it was like something like he fell into a vat of acid. It had nothing to do with pollution, right? Yeah. You know, he's the Joker now. <laughs> yeah. His son was, what's his name? In in Batman? Yeah. The character was Jack Napier in that movie. Oh, right. Yes. Jack Napier. Yes. That's exactly right. He's Jack Nicholson from the first Batman movie. That's oh, his nice. son. It's the same universe. Yeah. Same universe. Except that in this case, they stop it mm. with the simulation. <laughs> the entire Batman movie took place in the simulation. Oh, nice. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, we can keep going with this. No, it's fine. <laughs> all right, so then Batman Returns, where does that take place? It all takes place in the simulation. We're all living in that simulation. Anyway, Adama says they have to go now that the kids are fixed because every hour they spend on Earth increases the possibility of a silent holocaust. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. Hey, They're like, hey, wait, here there's a ship down there we've never seen before. Holocaust time. <laughs> As silence do. Anyway, they boot Troy Dillon and Mr. Stockton off with the three kids who are now healed. And essentially, as they're doing that, the ship leaves and uh, Colonel Seidel with the sheriff arrives just in time to not see the ship, basically. And Troy and Dillon have disappeared and Mr. Stockton kind of covers for them because he's, you know, he's a good guy now. He's, it's Christmas Day mm-hmm. and he's, he's buying a turkey for, for his uh, workers. And... We pop back to the police station now. They're sort of frustrated because they've lost their key suspects. But what they find there is in the intervening time, Troy and Dylan have stopped by the police station and they have left a box full of gold right. to repay the bank with and like an apology note. And Because that how, that's how it works. Well, it's very funny because the sheriff, it's basically just like the sheriff's like, well, case closed, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move on. But I mean, they really are just trying to find a way to the end of this episode because the episode ends with them finding Jamie, she's taking the kids to a waffle house. Yeah, she's like in an IHOP. They're all all the kids are eating waffles for the first time, and the first thing Jamie and Troy say to her as they drop off the three now healthy children, she's they're like, uh, "Jamie, we got another mission we got to go on, so can you take off the kids a little longer for us? That'd be uh, real cool." And she's like, "Me, kids, woo!" I mean, these guys. They're really fucking awful. I, I do like the like, they're just like deadbeat dads. Like, I know I left you with all these kids, but like, sorry, baby, I gotta go. Well, it's so funny because they set up her as some sort of reporter, like sort of sidekick or like side character in the show in the first episodes of this thing. And now they've introduced the kids. Her whole role now is like, you're now their babysitter. Yeah. That's going to be your job on the show. Well, she's a woman. She can't go on adventures. It's insane. It's insane. And like, just before we go to credits here, 
Dylan is like making a joke, and then one of the kids like throws a throws a waffle in his face. <laughs> That's how the episode ends. And it's like, and like, wah. like, can you believe this? Can you believe our lives? I mean, yeah, this show has become a very bad children's show. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> great before, but I'm telling you, in yeah. comparison to the time traveling like quantum leap style thing at the beginning. This is exponentially worse. I agree with you. Yeah. It's got, again, you said it before and I thought there's no way that's what this show is going to become. And it's 100% what it's become is, is a weird bad kid show that sort of has something to do with Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. And I mean, we'll, let's get into episode six right now. But this kind of shores up the idea this is going to be about these kids because this mm-hmm. whole episode is all kids. Yeah. That kid just threw that ball. Half a mile. No, no, uh, it wasn't that far. It was probably an optical illusion or something. Or something? Kid's got an arm like Nolan Ryan. What's going on? The child is a genetic mutation. A what? It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. The kid can throw a ball through a tank at a half a mile. Fabulous. Listen, I'm, I'm ready to roll. You just have that, that kid do it again, okay? No, no, not yet. Uh, I have this thing very carefully choreographed, and I'll tell you when to shoot. Yeah, but Jamie... Hal, this could mean an Emmy. Maybe even a Pulitzer Prize. Trust me. Right. You just give me the signal. So here's the IMDb summary for episode six, Spaceball. <laughs> Treacherous Xavier, the renegade Galactican, in disguise sends Troy and Dylan on a phony mission so that he can take as hostage the earthbound Galactican children who Jamie has entered in what turns out to be a hilarious out-of-this-world charity baseball game on Galactica 1980. That uh, summary was courtesy of Anonymous. Mm. Because they were very embarrassed. By what they, wrote. <laughs> they were embarrassed that they watched the show yeah. and then wrote a summary for it. But it was a hilarious out of this world baseball game we're going to get to watch this yeah. episode. Yeah. Jordan's face is his hands right now. It just was, it's just, I don't know what this episode was. It's not a, I don't know what this is. It's really amazing because the first like three minutes of it is kind of Adama giving a little bit of a recap of what happened in the pilot and then kind of what happened in the reboot of the series in this like sort of second set of episodes where the kids are are introduced he's kind of trying to tie together the time travel plot from the original with the new space scouts plot from the second like kind of set of episodes it feels like it was tagged on though doesn't it doesn't it like oh this is a such a weird show we're gonna lose viewers so let's like have him explain why they should be watching this yeah well i guess it's very much like it seems like as we know from reading some of the stuff we've read they did the first three episodes they go, went to series, but they're like, hey, we don't like the time travel. Do something else, maybe with kids. Did two new episodes where they really focus on these kids they're introducing. And in the beginning of this episode, for like three minutes, they're like, all right, how do we tie these together? How are these the same show? Voiceover. <laughs> Essentially, what happens is uh, a Lieutenant Nash lands in a Viper to give uh, Troy and Dylan a very important mission. Um, I very much like this uh, Lieutenant Nash character because he sounded like a Dracula. I wrote, I know he's the bad guy because of his accent. Yeah, he's got like a crazy Dracula accent. Like there's no way he was ever going to be a good guy. Yeah. I was just like, you know what I'd like to see? A show where there's a good guy, but he just, this is his accent. Like it's a real hard life for him. Well, he had, he had the accent for like love of every villain in 1980s cartoons. I was like, well, I know he's a bad guy. He sounds like Skeletor. Of course he's a bad guy. Essentially the important mission is he tells them that Xavier came back to 1980 from i guess the american revolution where we last saw him leaving to and dr z has programmed the computron and this viper to like take them off to somewhere secretive where they're gonna fulfill this mission 
and I was just like, okay, so what happened in the American Revolution? Like, like, I just like the idea that Xavier went back, no one went to stop him, but he still failed somehow. Like, yeah. There was nobody there to prevent him from like doing whatever he's going to do with his future technology. Still didn't work out. Imme- immediately when he got there, he like tripped on a uh, tree stump and like twisted his ankle. I was like, oh, back to the future. Like, fell face first into a, ki- a, a cow patty and was yeah. like, womp, womp. <laughs> but they, they, uh, what's this, what's this guy's name? Lieutenant Nash? Lieutenant Nash. He, he tells them though, I like, he goes, he goes, it's a, uh, urgent secret mission is how he refers to it. A very, very urgent secret mission. And, uh, Nash promises he will help take care of the kids while they're gone. And so, uh, Troy and Dylan climb onto this Viper and they're like, We'll be back soon. And he says out loud to them, I wouldn't count on it. <laughs> Does he? I didn't catch that. <laughs> it was very funny. I'm like, I'm like, you just said that out loud to them. I wouldn't count on it. <laughs> Can you imagine that? You're doing like a favor for a friend or something. Like, yeah, you could buy my you could borrow my car. And they're like, you're like, all right, well, see you in a little bit. Like, I wouldn't count on it. You're like, I'm not taking this guy's car. <laughs> I mean, there's part of me at this point. Just, I guess, out of just like hope that the episode wouldn't go exactly where it was looking like it was going, where I was just like, maybe this guy is a good guy and he's just like really bad at all social interaction. <laughs> like he's just like, no, it's just going to take a while. What I like though is, can I, can I, can yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Can I give the spoiler let's of what this spoil is? spoil it. It's okay. fine. So Lieutenant Nash is actually Xavier in disguise. Now, we've never, <laughs> we've never explained that he can do this. There is a line later on. I, yeah, I Dr. Hope, Z says it. Yeah. What, what did he say? He says that. Ex- uh, epidermal transfigurations are real easy yeah that was it so that that's the way around it but what i think and, and luke maybe you'll disagree with me i think what it is is they just couldn't get the actor back so they went screw it we'll just have someone else play the part and to get around that um he just can change how he looks now i have a feeling he's going to come back again looking like someone else in this series it's very possible i thought it was very funny because i'm like you could have just changed the actor i wouldn't have noticed well they did it with z so why do they care i know right you're right they changed z to a different actor and they yeah. didn't explain that maybe maybe that's it he had a tra- <laughs> uh, oh he had a dermal <laughs> transfiguration <laughs> yeah he's like i would like to be a couple inches taller um anyways so that's a bit the basic thing yeah. is he sent them off on a death mission, and so he can. Yeah. Well, here's his what plan. I assume was so he can molest these children. <laughs> yeah, well, here's his plan: is this thing Troy he's sending Troy and Dylan off on the autopilot that he said basically just flies them into space and then just breaks down, like the entire Viper just breaks down. And here's the thing: I actually thought that was a pretty decent plan. One, because we know they're stupid. It worked. It worked, and they got up. Actually, the idea of sending someone up and into space where you have no resources, and then having it break down and then like suffocate to death. I was like, that's actually a pretty good plan, especially for this really bad show. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. And then he's going to go get the kids and kind of hold them hostage. All of the intention of negotiating with Adama for both sets of lives so that he can be left alone to live in 1980 in peace, basically. That's what he's he's hoping to do here is negotiate with Adama so they'll let him just live on Earth in 1980 and just do whatever he wants. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing that basically, and I think Adama says like, but what's the guarantee you're not going to like screw things up and he's basically like i'm not giving you a guarantee i just want you to leave me alone and do what i want to do yeah yeah. he he promises he will live by intergalactic laws whatever that means yeah so the core of the episode and really where we spent almost all of it is with jamie babysitting these 12 kids who apparently she's been doing since the last time we saw her yeah well because they mentioned she like hasn't been going to work they actually mentioned that thing we joked about before. She has not been going to work and she's a terrible employee and somehow is still working. Yeah, well, that's it. We start with her going to UBC. She's got all 12 kids with her. <laughs> she has to leave them down in the studio so she can go to a meeting and where the kids proceed to dismantle a television camera to like 
show to show how it works like they're like super geniuses yeah they're geniuses so she's like guys uh, just like take care of yourselves and then they're like oh let's learn how the cameras work and then they're geniuses yeah they disassemble a camera a camera guy walks in and like sees they've destroyed this camera and flips out and he like runs off and when he comes back with like people they're like look these kids broke this camera they've reassembled it already and they like it's very funny because they like gaslight this poor cameraman they're like nothing was ever wrong you're clearly confused. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they really screw with people a lot in this show. I have a question, though. Am, am I wrong? Was she not working for a newspaper before, though? No, no, no. It was always, it it was was always, always television. Oh, okay, so that's my mistake. Yeah, no, it was always television. And while she's back, Mr. Brooks gives her a new assignment. He's like, hey, can you go cover... Let me, write, let me read this so I can get this properly. A story about a kid's baseball camp for the underprivileged that's run by a former baseball player with one arm, Billy Ayers. I didn't catch at the beginning that he only had one arm until there was a scene with him. He was walking. I was like, what is that? Oh, he's missing an arm. But it was that classic, like, he just put his arm in his shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, because basically they have to go, he was supposed to be this great baseball player, but it just never happened. But I was like, you didn't have to have him missing an arm. So we know what happened. He apparently lost his arm. So yes, that would affect him being a baseball player, unless he's Jim Abbott. Remember Jim Abbott? No, I don't know. Jim was a pitcher, only had one hand. Oh. Yeah. Anyways. So he could have been, 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 been fine. fine. I think the whole arm is tough. But why did they just say they... It's like they just were like, well, no one's going to believe he could be a baseball player. Get rid of his arm. Well, they really tease like a, he could have been a great, but they never tell you why until you finally see him and he's just missing an arm. Like, yeah. oh, well, yeah, that probably would hurt. They never tell you how it happened, though. That's what I mean. Like, what was it, a saw accident? <laughs> he was doing some carpentry. Yeah. This, of course, is the perfect assignment for Jamie because she can bring these 12 kids with her. And it's great because she explains to her boss, is like, Oh, these 12 kids, they're those orphans from the chemical plant story I was just doing, who I still have with me. I know. I was just like, do her coworkers think she's adopted 12 or- uh, like orphans from the previous story she yeah. worked on? The implication is they're orphans. And by the way, what, what is the, the word we're supposed to be using for orphans now? It's not orphans. Yeah, it's orphans. It's still orphans? Yeah. That's, we're allowed to say that? Yeah. Okay. I don't th- I don't think that's politically incorrect to say orphans. Okay. I just, it sounds, I don't know. It just sounds weird. Anyways, I think, I think everyone just assumed they're orphans. So they don't have parents. No one cares that someone else is taking care of them. That's yeah. Basically what they're it just is. like, oh, good. They have a, they have a mother now. Yeah. An um, unwilling mother. <laughs> uh, so Mr. Brooks is excited because that's a great story because she can tie together this baseball story with their previous chemical plant story. It's like, she can't tie it together. I don't know how she's tying it together. That there's, the only thing that ties together is the reporter has the same children with her. That's what ties together. Like, it'd be like on the article, like, by the way, I also have these children. I keep them from every story. <laughs> but of course, the baseball camp is going bankrupt. And to save it, it'll need to win the Californian Regional Little League Championship to okay, survive. Did any of this make sense? Because they really pushed it. Like, I know it's like your classic, like, sports movie where they really need to win because of blah, blah, blah. And there's all these obstacles in the way. And, you know, are they going to win the big championship to save whatever? But it doesn't work in this at all because they're like, they need to win this championship to save the camp. That's for underprivileged children. But if they don't, the developer's going to buy the land. And they also can't lose the game because the generals is like, I was like, what is happening? And who cares? It is it is a very convoluted way to basically just do a like baseball episode, a baseball episode. But yeah, the camp is in trouble. It needs to win this championship to do this. The kids have just arrived there. And so, but let me ask you, how, how's winning the championship change anything? Well, Billy Ayers puts it this way. He says, if they don't win, people won't 
donate money because they're not a good baseball team. But if they do win, people will like their charity and give them money. At some point, he even says he's just like, I'm finally starting to convince people that sports are important. <laughs> I'm like, like I don't. Well, think- it's just it's just the idea that you're only going to donate to a charity if the 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 children, the suffering children, are successful at something. It's like, hold, 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 I'll give you some money, but let's hear this kid read first. Yeah, I want winners. I don't, I don't support losers, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why I only give my money to rich people. <laughs> I didn't mention this because it's going to bl- make you so, your head's going to explode. Mm-hmm. But part of the like hoop jumping we have to get to is it's the championship game. So Billy Ayers has had a baseball team this whole time. It's gotten them to the championships. But when he's complaining about how they're about to go bankrupt, if they don't win this championship, he throws his hands up in the air and goes, the entire team is sick. I know. I know. <laughs> I assumed it was that was the connection with the uh, the chemical plant. They also drank that muddy pond. <laughs> they also got sick that way. This is like two two blocks away from their yeah. chemical plant. Oh, also, can I just, there was a shot right at the beginning when, when Jamie first goes to the camp and they're, and she's like, you have all this, but the shot is not of like beautiful grass. They're like in a quarry and it's just all dirt and there's kids playing in dirt and I was like, this is a terrible baseball diamond. This is all dirt. <laughs> anyway. But thankfully for Billy Ayers and his baseball camp, the super scouts have superpowers. Yeah. Essentially what we get to see is that uh, Starla gets a baseball for the first time and um, she basically throws it miles away. She like picks it up and she's like, they're like, throw it back to us. And she just hucks it like across the world, basically, yeah. like and, Superman. And also the child that they picked to, to have this super throw is a kid who can't throw a ball at all so it just makes the editing really clumsy because she has that like very awkward like she could maybe toss a ball a foot but they they have to cut away to where it throws like you could see the ball just dropping in front of her and then the cutaway it goes miles away it's like oh guys this is bad all the kids and it's not their fault they're children none of them are particularly athletic so whenever they have to do a cut where they're doing something super it's so funny it was like quite clearly they did not hit that ball with any force that (laughs) didn't go anywhere but then you have to do a cut it's great, though, because she's throwing this ball across this field. She's throwing a ball through a wall at some point. Yeah. And there's this quick cutaway at one point. I, I don't know if you caught this because Jamie is a cameraman with her. And he, what, he he's like one of the few people who sees this kid do it. And there's this cutaway of this like camera guy doing this like insane double take where he's like, what, what, what? <laughs> yeah, there's a few of those. I, I love that cutaway so much of that cameraman's face. Well, this is all happening. We have to catch up with our now second villain on this show, Colonel Seidel. Because what's he up to? I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's now a character. He's like, I got to get these kids for some reason. Yeah, he's trying to find these pesky aliens. Where could they be? And what he decides to do is he he's looking at the old newspaper from the pilot episode where it's ta- where it shows uh, Troy, Dylan, and Jamie being terrorists to take the Dr. Mortensen hostage who we've never seen again. <laughs> yeah, have, do you think he's going to come back? I doubt it. But he's looking at that paper from the first episode. He's like, oh, maybe I should look into this Jamie character. <laughs> I like that everyone looks at they, We've seen this newspaper like four times, by the way. The same, this day was a very good day for that newspaper. Oh, man. Very useful. He drops by UBC, talks to Mr. Brooks. Mr. Brooks is like, yeah, yeah, she's at a baseball camp. And he's like, so weird you'd come by. This other guy, Xavier, he just dropped by. He asked where Jamie and the kids were. I just told him too. <laughs> so what we know is Xavier's showing up at the baseball camp just in time to offer Jamie a hand with taking the kids to the championship. Mm-hmm. Very helpful. Doesn't this feel like the most to me like a Beyond Westworld episode where every episode they kind of went like, they're like, now we have to learn about the football team. Now we got to learn about that. That's what this felt like to me. Like It is just like, 
it's a baseball episode. It's like, how does that fit in her thing? And I don't worry about it. We'll, we'll just make it. Yeah. We'll, we'll force it to fit. Yeah. This episode sucked. So they go off the championship and uh-oh, Colonel Seidel shows up to watch the game. Of course he does. He's in, in, his full, in, in full uniform. Full uniform. He's just sitting in the stands watching. And Jamie now knows she can't have the kids win because with the military watching, they're going to give themselves away. So she sort of tells them to throw the game. Can I mention one real thing yeah. real quick? The cameraman at one point, after he sees all the stuff, like doesn't want to film for some reason. He's like, oh, I don't know about this. And she says to him, you could win an Emmy or a Pulitzer Prize for this. And I thought, you're never going to win either of that. You're going to win an Emmy for shooting an expose for a news channel on a kid's baseball game. And how are you going to win a Pulitzer Prize for that? And he like he's like, oh, sounds good to me. I think she's trying to lure him like like this is all part of a bigger story. Just follow yeah. my lead. I'm a genius reporter. <laughs> but yes, there uh Jamie has to tell the kids to throw the game so they don't get caught by the military since she knows Seidel is watching. And uh this is one of my favorite lines because it was it was it was a really weird slam on Earthlings for some reason, but one of the kids gets really upset that they have to throw the game. He's like, you want us to perform like complete muscular disasters? Yeah. Yeah, that was a good line. I'm like these kids are real high and mighty. But really, basically, what this what we get to at this point is that we're gonna switch back between Jamie telling the kids to win and lose. Like they change like six seven. So like it's like, well, we can't let the general see you guys as superpowers, so you got to lose the game. You're like, uh oh, they're gonna lose the camp. Play real well. Uh oh, with Xavier's here, lose the game. But if you win the game, there'll be a crowd. Win the game, and it just keeps going back and forth. It's not entirely. They only go back and forth one time. No, like ten times. I think you're misremembering. No, you're so mad. <laughs> It's really great at the start of this because they kind of go back to that original pilot episode's idea of the, there's lots of little jokes now about how the kids don't understand earth colloquialisms. Yeah. He tells them to hit hit the bench. And they're all start punching the bench. Yeah. And then they go do a coin toss and the kid he's like, call it in the air. And the kid's like, cool, thanks. And he grabs the coin and walks away. And then the oh, um, um, umpire gets really angry about that. He stole a silver dollar. Yeah. He said it was brand new. <laughs> um, but you're right. Because they're losing... And the kids are upset and it's not going well. And the other team is very funny. The other team is shit talking them. (laughs) Yeah, they're real trash talkers. And the adults in the audience are laughing every time. (laughs) What is this? It's a very forgiving audience. And the kids just like get off your classic taunts and just the audience love it. Like they're there to hear insults, not baseball. Yeah, like one kid's like, we want a pitcher, not a belly itcher. And the audience is like, oh, they got you. They got you, kid. Yeah, I, I think it would be a better episode if that's all this was. Just really, like, it's a crazy audience of people who hate children. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Jamie, thankfully, overhears Xavier negotiating uh, with Adama about this, like, hostage taking he's doing. And she just, and she fills in a lot of blanks. Yeah, she just walks by and happens to catch, like, the tail end of a conversation. And she, she's on board. And Adama's just like, I won't negotiate with terrorists. Mm-hmm. So... Basically, Jamie has to save the day. She has to come up with a plan, and she does. She knows that if they lose, they'll just have to leave and get on the bus. But if they win, the audience will certainly swarm them and like throw them in the air. And then how is Xavier supposed to get them? Yeah, you can't get them if there's people around. It's impossible. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very solid plan on Jamie's part. So after I think they were down six nothing at this point, aren't they? Cause yeah, because they, like, they were looking. What was the phrase? They didn't want to look like humans. What muscular? Oh, they wanted to look complete muscular disasters. Yeah, that's what they're acting right now. So they're down six nothing. Yeah. So essentially, she tells them, "All right, now you have to win." So we kind of get the back end of this like jokes where we get to see them be all super powered and like lots of shenanigans ensue. Well, what are the shenanigans you remember from their superpower days, the last half of this baseball game? 
Um, one kid hits a home run real easy. I know one kid um, bunts, and by the time the pitcher even gets the ball, he's like very clearly on base already. He's like, eh, eh, eh. So fast. He's so fast. Um, what else? Oh, I forgot the one. Uh, the kid hits the ball so hard, it goes into the ground. Yeah, it's like a line drive that drives into the dirt. It, it was a good effect. I liked it. It looked like a mole. Well, I liked all the kids on the other team are trying to get the ball and they're digging the dirt trying to find it. And then they have to, I like that they the whole entire time they have um uh, the color commentator and he's like, oh, they're going to rule that a base hit. Like, because you know there's someone who's watching baseball like, how would you even call that in the game? Well, and the, the coach of their team comes out and complains to the umpire about whatever just happened, like him driving the ball into the dirt and the umpire's like, not my fault. This is your home field. You should tell your groundskeepers not to make it so swampy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, was there, was there more? Uh, there's a couple it. more. Uh, the Galactican kid pitcher, she throws a ball that destroys a bat. The bat explodes when it hits the ball. Right? Wouldn't it be funny if she threw it at a kid's head? Just his head explodes. <laughs> yeah. And then the the clutch play of the game is the other team hits what is clearly going to be a home run, and one of the children jumps twenty five feet into the air to snatch the ball out, and everyone's like, "Oh, good jump!" Yeah, yeah, that seems fine. Like, there's no more enthusiasm than that. They're like, "Oh." could jump <laughs> so like he just jumped four human beings in the air yeah no one seems to mind but essentially they win the game and as everyone pours onto the field it's the end of it but while all this has been happening what's been happening with Jordan dylan oh yeah that's the b plot and what i like about this is again i thought it was a pretty good plan to get them in space they just keep cutting back to troy and dylan sitting in a plane being like Ooh, better not use any oxygen and then they decide like one's gonna sleep one's not gonna sleep yeah they have naps for the entire yeah. episode they <laughs> both like keep going to sleep like but, it's their turn to nap but what okay. they these two idiots are so dumb they wait until they're almost entirely out of oxygen and then they're like why don't we fix the plane yeah they're <laughs> essentially having naps waiting to asphyxiate <laughs> yeah. and it's, i like what i like though it's like i don't know again it doesn't i don't know who's who but troy's just like it's me time to sleep and then he just like closes his eyes and goes to sleep immediately and the other guy's like well, this will be boring for the next 12 hours. I'm like, why are we seeing this? Well, he does say, he's like, talk to you in eight hours. And he just goes to sleep. <laughs> he just goes to sleep. But yeah, so basically you cut back to them a bunch of times. And a lot of them, they're just they're just sleeping at the plane. <laughs> it's the worst thing ever. It's and, so funny. And then, and then when they're just about to die of oxygen, of lack of oxygen, they're like, maybe we should just fix the plane. So they get into their like space suits. Did, you, they, did you like that? Because they're going to do a spacewalk to fix it. Yeah. They take off their Egyptian helmets. And put on and different, different helmets. I know. I know. They, at one point, though, they take off the Egyptian helmet in the plane, and I was like, "So they don't need those on? Well, just for show?" Well, they don't have any glass, so they clearly they just put them on because it's a style thing. They like it. Yeah, it's fashion. They can't go outside with them. They don't need them on the plane. It's also they wear them on the motorbikes too. That's not helping them at all. And anyway, yeah, they go outside. They fix the Viper, and then they kind of like, well, let's head back down to that baseball diamond and see what's going on. Yeah. Uh, quick side note here, though. It's very funny because Adama's, like, negotiating this entire time with Xavier. No one knows where Troy and Dylan are. And Adama really, at one point, is just like, oh, I wish we could launch a rescue mission, but Troy and Dylan never told us where they left the kids. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, it's I know. Like kind of a line. And I'm, like, I'm like, oh, yeah, nobody knows where these kids are. Yeah. These guys are the worst guardians. Yeah, well, but they do keep mentioning this that they're um, what do they say? They're like our most formidable warriors. They say something like, "I'm like, are they?" Just having naps. Yeah, they're just having naps. Waiting for solution. Just like, like, well, this looks pretty bad. It's like, oh, you're stuck in quicksand. What are you gonna do? I guess I'll just finish this book. (laughs) Do something. Anyway, uh, back on Earth, Xavier's furious with Jamie because the kids won the game. And she like he drags her to the dressing room to kind of I don't know threaten her for for interfering with his plans. And while he's doing that, 
Colonel Seidel sees them going off. So he follows them into the dressing room. And now the two of them are kind of like caught in this little argument about something. And 30 seconds, 10 seconds after that, Troy and Dylan also bust in the dressing room. And it just starts like a chase laser fight. Like Troy and Dylan are shooting at Xavier. Xavier's shooting back. They're running around a gymnasium of some sort. Mm -hmm. Colonel Seidel gets shot at some point. (laughs) Yeah, he gets that's right. He gets shot. Yeah, gets, and then the, and that's that's almost the end of the episode. They get shot, and they're just like, "Is he dead?" And they're like, eh, "He'll be all right." <laughs> well, they're like, "He's pretty hurt." Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not like it's, it was on stun. They're like, "He's gonna need some medical attention." But yeah, and Xavier gets away in in the chaos? Question yeah. mark. Yeah, and yeah, that kind of is the end of the episode. It sort of ends with Troy and Dylan thanking Jamie again for babysitting. And they, they like turn around and all the space super scouts are sitting watching kids play basketball. And they're like, uh oh, are we going to do a basketball episode now? Yeah. This episode became like an I dream a genie episode. That's what this was like. Oh, no. How do we get out of this situation? Genie put us in. It just was so bad. But yeah, that, that wraps up the episode. There were two weird things that came up. They're actually in both of. Oh, I know what you're going to say. These things. First of all, we'll get into the first one because you know what I'm going to say is both episodes end the episode ends and a blue screen comes up an intertitle with a sentence of dialogue on it that says the u.s air force stopped investigating ufos in 1969 after 22 years they found no evidence of extraterrestrial visits and no threat to national security why is that there i was like do you think this is a documentary it's as if they were like guys people are going to think this is real and so we better throw this disclaimer up so we don't get sued I thought when I saw it in the first episode, I'm like, okay, that's a really weird capper to this. But at least that was about the government chasing UFOs. The second one it was about baseball. It was about baseball. Still on before the credits come up, this one title comes up to assure us that the government has never found UFOs. I'm like, what? What is this? <laughs> I know this. This show is something else. It, I. <laughs> It's insane. Um, the other little thing I noticed in the credits, and I'm not sure if you noticed this, uh, the credits for the Super Scouts, three of them are Glenn Larson's kids. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, three Larsons and, and oh, Super Scouts. Right. I bet she's that girl who can't throw. She's probably one of them. <laughs> very, Star Sign, what's her name? Uh, Starla. Yeah. Very, very strange. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Do you want to you do some uh, ratings and give your, your final thoughts on these? Yeah, okay. All right, Super Scouts, part two. Three and a half. Three and a half. It didn't need to be a one. It didn't need to be a two parter. I was actually really terrified that the next one was going to be a third part. I was like, please don't, please don't keep extending this. To be continued. Yeah, to be continued. Anyways, I gave it a three and a half. It's just, it's just boring. This, as a standalone episode, there's nothing here. You know what? It's better than the first part, for sure. Do you think so? Well, if only for the UFO and the like. Yeah, landing, that's the three. I get they get three marks for the UFO and Mr. Stockton, the the chem plant guy. Is very funny actually. Like he is, bit was very fun watching him deal with aliens and watch mm-hmm. this video. Like some of those stuff worked much better than I think the first episode worked. So obviously a bad episode. Like I, I you know what? I'm gonna give it a four. I don't know exactly why. <laughs> I just like I like that you're like defending it, and giving all the things, and you give it a four. I know it's it's still bad, but there was yeah. a, I liked it more I think than the previous episode. I can't remember what I gave that. So I can't remember either. It but... must have been lower than four though. So I'm gonna give it a four. Right. Right. And now. Spaceball. Oh, before we write Spaceball, do you know what the trivia on Spaceball is? No. On IDB, the little trivia link? No, what is it? It says, the title Spaceball is a play on the word baseball. <laughs> uh, oh, well, really? What good trivia. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> All right. What do you want to give this Spaceball? I can give it a three. A three. 
space ball. I'm going to give it three space balls. <laughs> three space balls. Uh, space ball is what I feared this show was going to become. As a stupid little like 1980 TV show about kids playing baseball, who cares? It'd be like a five or six. But this is not this is not what the show is. They've now just made this into something else. So since, three. Since the time travel pilot, the show's denigrated to this. It's a one for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that abuses me. This is gonna be this I think I think we've had the show that's gonna have the worst scores of all time. Oh, this is insane. <laughs> the show is so it We it, only have five more episodes. I know, it's almost over. We're like so close to the end. I think four more episodes. Right. We're so close to the end. Oh my god. It's so crazy. It, it just how much it changes in the course of so few episodes. But let me ask you this. Do you find it boring though? <laughs> a little bit. Sometimes it is, right? Well, but here's the thing. It's fun to talk about afterwards. Yeah, I think I think it's it's fun to kind of laugh because it's dumb. Don't go watch it. Yeah, don't go watch it. It is kind of fun to think about in the postmortem, but it's only 45 minutes long, but every time I start, I'm, I'm like, oh man, it's going to feel like almost an hour. <laughs> well, it does have the one thing of older shows, obviously pacing has changed uh, quite a bit and it has a little bit of that and just the story is told in a different way. But this is done in a way that I don't think I've ever seen a TV show written. The, the, st- the style is just so, it's just, there's no real plot to these things. I mean, it just stuff happens. It's it's like in that or the uh, the oral history I read the the people who worked in the writing staff who didn't write any episodes they're just like he wrote them and he just wasn't a very good writer and it, he isn't he just starts writing he knows where he wants to go and he just like he's like all right how do I get them to baseball she goes to work story about baseball she's gonna bring the kids with her it's going out of the baseball field is going out of business they have to win a championship the whole team like he just like starts typing yeah. to get them to get to the place he wants to get to and it, it I mean it is what it is yeah anyways I'm really starting to see why. Uh, uh, people who really like Battlestar Galactic were really upset about this because this is this would have been. Can you imagine a show you really liked and they're oh, like, yeah. "Yes, we're going to do another season," and it becomes a wildly different show? I will tell you in this uh, say so uh, so say we all oral history. Almost everyone they interview who talks about how they love Battlestar Galactic when they talk about 1980, the first thing they say is like, "Bad news bears from space episode." This this is the one oh, really? they focus in on as being like what's wrong like this episode kind of encapsulates i think what everyone was just like just they couldn't believe what this show was well maybe that means they're gonna get better from this point on well certainly this i think might be the nadir because everyone really focuses on this as like the like what was wrong with the show so at least they've forgotten about the other ones i guess so we'll see what happens moving forward well i'm you know what uh we know the show's bad uh, it's still fun to kind of watch and talk about. So hopefully there's uh, at least some more fun, ridiculous moments that we can uh, chat about going forward. Yeah. Well, Jordan, I mean, it hasn't come up much in the episode, but it is the holiday season. Mm-hmm. That's a good time to remember the people in our lives. Okay. Jordan, I just want to tell you, you're an excellent co-host and a wonderful friend. Oh, that's very nice. Thank happy you. holidays. And you know what? I got a little something for you. Oh, he's actually reaching into a bag. Oh, it's a present. What is it? Should I open it on the air? You should 100% open on the air. I got it for you for the podcast. Okay, let, let me let me make sure it gets it on the mic. Of yeah, me get, get some of this v- Foley. Foley, very important. Can you hear the wrapping? Oh, I can hear the wrapping. Jordan is slowly opening the present. I'm opening it like you should. You just tear it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's not trying to save the wrapping paper later. And also, my wrapping job is very bad. I dated someone and they like would like unfold the wrapping and stuff. And I was like, this is never going to happen. <laughs> never going to work out. <laughs> You don't like people who conserve 
Well, it was just like, how long is it going to take you to open a present? The present's not that good. They're extending, they're extending their enjoyment. All right, he's oh, opening it up, and we'll oh, see. He can, oh. he'll tell you what what he got for Crit for our little holiday special here. It is a lovely glass that on the bottom is a Continuum Drag logo on the night. Is I guess a whiskey glass is what you would say. Yeah, this. it's for your whiskey. Oh, isn't that nice? That Con- is actually really nice. Continuum Drag logos stenciled into the bottom so that when you finish your whiskey you'll you'll remember you're drinking because you're doing this terrible podcast I, I actually genuinely really like this it's very nice thank you well uh happy holidays buddy thank you very much i mean i'm gonna have to get a gift next week oh uh you don't have anything for me I don't have any. uh, uh yeah yeah it's it's in the mail it's oh in the mail uh, that's okay <laughs> just just wait for the new year's episode you wouldn't believe what you're gonna get oh all right well i mean that's okay i, I guess that wraps up for this episode um <laughs> If you've got a gift for me you'd like to email, you can email us at continuumdrag at gmail.com. Um, and, you know, this week we'll probably have photos of Jordan's gift on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, so you can kind yeah. of see what the glass looks like, I guess. Yeah, I will. I will. Um, we'll get lots of people to talk about how nice it was that you got there for me. Anyway, well, good podcasting with you, Jordan. Uh, and happy holidays to you and yours, listener. See you next time. All right. Bye. Continuum Drag is recorded at Astrolab Studios in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Ruxiedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, and Dwayne Wright. <laughs>